0: Odd Trails contains adult language and content. These stories can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show.
1: Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. And
0: just trust. Believe. <laughs> In college, I dated a guy named Todd. He was nice at first, a lot of love-bombing, while slowly kicking a chair out from beneath me, willing me to sink lower and lower. He was a strange guy who turned out to be violent and abusive. He slut-shamed me for not being a virgin when we met. He worshipped his ex-girlfriend and always made me feel worthless. I've always had low self-esteem, and this was back in the 1980s when women weren't as empowered as they are today. Now there's sisterhood. Back then, you were pretty much on your own. Todd was a very jealous man, though I gave him no reason to be. He would say things like, he had me followed from school or work or wherever, and that I'd better not even look at another man. He told me that he would literally kill me and put my body and a vat of acid so that no one would ever find me. He was a power lifter and may have been on steroids, though he denied it. Eventually, I got up the courage to break up with him. Man, it was liberating. Todd's best friend was Jim. Jim and I had been friendly while I was dating Todd, and after the breakup, we grew closer and our friendship developed into love. Six weeks after our first date, We got married. Todd was so pissed off. He felt betrayed by us. He was very angry and very bitter. Over the years, Todd would call out of the blue and make rude remarks about my appearance. He would also say things like, You know a real woman could carry a baby to term. This hurt. I lost four babies to miscarriage. There was no caller ID back then. So if the phone rang... You actually had to pick it up and talk to the caller. He usually called around mine and Jim's anniversary or his birthday or other dates only significant to him. He'd try to guilt me or shame me for different things. And for the first few years, it really did affect me. But after a while, I was over it and him. Several homes and phone numbers changed and I stopped hearing from him. He disappeared off of the map from me, and it was great. After several years, Jim and I divorced but remained extremely close friends and even live together now. So many years later, social media happened. I was proactive and blocked several people I never wanted to hear from. As he hadn't been on my mind in years, I didn't even think of blocking him. Now and then... Jim would ask me to look up some old friend or work acquaintance, and I finally thought of looking up Todd. He didn't have any social media accounts at all, which is weird considering the times. I decided to Google him to see if I could find him so that I could block him from ever contacting me again. That's when I found his obituary. I was stunned and confirmed with Jim that the name and birthdate were correct, and the info on findagrave.com confirmed it was him. For the first time in decades, I felt like I could relax and breathe again. I had always been braced for that other shoe to drop, and now it was never going to happen. What a relief. So one night last year, close to mine and Jim's anniversary date, we were sitting in the living room watching TV. The phone rang. Now, I have phone service through my cable company, so whenever somebody calls, their name and number pop up on the TV screen. Todd's full name and 30-year-old phone number popped up. My heart stopped. I couldn't breathe. My body was tingling from the top of my head to the tips of my fingers. That way that you feel when you know somebody is watching you. But you are willing yourself not to acknowledge them or even look their way. I looked at Jim. He looked back at me. We both turned back to the TV to see the name and number again as the phone continued to ring. We both asked each other, Are you seeing this? Is this happening? My phone was in the bedroom, but I was too scared to move and not sure I wanted to answer the phone and talk to whoever or whatever was on the other end of the line. We tried to continue that night as normal, but we couldn't stop thinking about what happened and talking about how weird it was. The next morning, Jim called the funeral home where Todd's funeral was held. He confirmed that it did occur. He was able to talk his way into having them send a copy of the death certificate. It was him in that grave. Jim also called the number that had popped up on the screen the next day and got a recording saying that the number wasn't even in service. So who or what called and what did they want to say? I kind of hope I never find out. Todd, let's never meet again.
1: 15 I got into a nasty fight with my girlfriend and had to move out of our new apartment ASAP out of desperation I sent a message to my cousin Casey that night I was broke and had nowhere else to go our grandmas were sisters but after they passed our families didn't remain very close I'm not in contact with my immediate family so I rolled the dice with Casey Despite not having seen him for a few years, he replied promptly, simply sending me his address and telling me to drop by whenever. I thanked him, packed all I could fit into my car, and headed over to his place that same night. He lived a short way outside of the city, on about two acres of land. I got there at around eleven. As I pulled up from the long driveway The porch light turned on and out came Casey. He told his dog to shut up, then walked down to my car and gave me a hug. He was wearing a denim vest with patches on it, so I felt a little out of place wearing my shirt from Target with flowers on it. Anyway, we caught up for a bit before heading inside. It was awkward. Also living with Casey was his girlfriend and their friend Dave. They were all a little rough around the edges, and to say I didn't quite vibe with them would be an understatement. Almost immediately, I started having recurring nightmares from the couch I slept on, and on more than one occasion, I woke up with thin scratches all over my body, like I had been mauled by a cat. It definitely wasn't Casey's dog, since he never wanted anything to do with me. In my nightmares, I would see a dark, shadowy figure who almost resembled the Grim Reaper, except instead of a scythe, he carried a sharp, Z shaped metal hook which was attached to a long chain. He walked closer to me each night I dreamt of him, as the intimidating object dragged against the ground. One night after I woke up from this nightmare, I clearly saw that same dark entity, but this time it was standing in the kitchen, staring at me. This was not sleep paralysis. I was nearly wide awake and able to move, but I laid there in silence, staring back at this thing. The kitchen was also fairly well lit by the bug zapper out on the porch so I know my eyes weren't just playing tricks on me. I couldn't see its eyes, but I could feel it, staring into my soul. Even though I was thoroughly freaked out, I managed to mumble out, What's up? Hoping maybe it was just Casey or Dave being drunk and weird. But as soon as I said that, the figure took two steps towards me and disappeared. I wish I had more compelling details, but all I can offer is the reassurance that I knew what I saw. As I tried falling back asleep, I heard heavy breathing coming from all directions of the room. I had the house to myself the following morning and got a little nosy. So I looked through some of the books on Casey's bookshelf. Well, the subjects ranged from black magic and various dark occult texts to outright racist literature. Some of this material was even printed out and stapled together. I already knew I had to move out as soon as possible, but this really sealed the deal for me. I made arrangements with a former classmate, and he said I could move in the following Monday. Good timing when I messaged him because his roommate was about to move out. During my last weekend there, a handful of other people showed up to the house late at night. Casey called me outside to watch his friend's band play in the small, barn-like structure behind the house. I had never been to the barn before, but I immediately froze when I walked in. That's when I saw it. Hung up on the wall was a huge, Z-shaped metal hook attached to a long chain. The same object I had only seen before in my nightmares. I instantly recognized it and felt sick to my stomach, along with a sense, more urgent than before, that I needed to leave Casey's house right then and there. I ducked my head down and left the barn before the music started. As soon as I got back to the house, I shoved all of my belongings into my car and drove away with no actual destination. I ended up sleeping in a Walmart parking lot for a couple of nights until my former classmate was ready to take me in. I truly believe my nightmares served as a warning, or perhaps even more alarming, a sinister invitation. Casey, thanks, but no thanks. Let's not meet again.
0: So it all started when me and my brother and father moved into a house. It was a three-story house with two apartments on each floor. The house was over 100 years old, but it was well-renovated, and right across the street from my school, and we were surrounded by a lovely park, all in all an amazing place to grow up. I was five, maybe six years old at the time. Back then I noticed a lot of shadows in the corner of my eyes, This went on for about 10 years without me realizing that it was in fact not normal to see these things. When I was young, I was extremely afraid of the dark, and for some reason, I always thought that Batman was going to stand there, and I would open my eyes, and he would kill me. Thinking back, Batman was a very tall, dark figure, which is going to be important later on. I've always been extremely sensitive to the energies around me and the paranormal so my guess is that I already sensed his presence but didn't know what it was just yet. I was also dealing with depression and insomnia ever since I was young due to some bad family stuff but this is also relevant. When I got older, about 12, my mental issues started to worsen drastically. I started to hurt myself. Stuff like that. My insomnia was pretty bad. And after I finished with high school at 15, my sleep cycle was fucked beyond repair. So I was usually awake at night and slept during the day. Or often, not at all. I was constantly sleep deprived. Weird stuff started to happen. Objects would disappear and reappear after months. Stuff would randomly fall off of shelves... Harmless stuff like that, but I noticed it, and it was odd. I started hearing voices. They were yelling, or sometimes whispering my name. It was the voices of both my dad and my brother. Most of the time, only to realize they weren't home or asleep. It got worse pretty fast. It was a long time ago, and I can't remember in what order things happened, but there were multiple auditory things going on, gurgling like someone was being choked to death in the middle of our living room. Strange music awakening me at night, coming from the corner of my room. It would get more silent and silent, and then finally disappear. There was knocking on the walls, always three times, horrible dynamic scratches, footsteps, mainly coming from the attic, which was right above our apartment. Sometimes it sounded like someone was throwing around a whole closet up there, really loud rumbling in the middle of the night. By that time, I already knew my house was haunted, but I didn't know what it was yet. So me and my neighbor and friend Natasha started an investigation. We realized that she and her brother had been bothered by this entity before. They had a guest room. It was mainly where it stayed at first. Ever since I lived there, I could not enter the room because the presence was so overwhelmingly evil, almost like the air was crushing you. That same feeling I got after it started, and had it for 24-7, for about a year. That feeling as if someone is standing right behind you, holding a knife to your back. Very uneasy. I'm sure some of you know the feeling. So I tried to communicate with it. I gave it a lot of attention, thinking it was a ghost, which was my biggest mistake. Things got worse very quickly. It had completely attached to me because I was the perfect victim, a buffet of negative emotions, which I later learned were their main energy source to make them stronger. So one night, I looked at the shadow in the corner of my eyes, and I saw a black silhouette of a cat Jumping off my bed, it disappeared in midair, or rather evaporated like smoke. I jumped around because I sensed that someone was standing behind me. And there it was in full form. It was what many people call shadow people or hat man. I'm sure there are other terms, but I later learned that these shadowy figures are demons and they can appear in various forms often with glowing red eyes or a hat. Mine was blank, no face, no hands, no feet, not even a real head, but it was about two meters tall and it filled up the room with this dark, smoky shadow. It stared into my soul with its non-existent eyes for a moment. I froze in shock, but as fast as it appeared before me, it disappeared again. After that, things got really bad because I started to really research and knew what I was dealing with. I became obsessed. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. This was all that I cared about. It started to play mind games after that point, which was probably the peak of his haunting. Due to my depression and suicidal tendencies, I welcomed darkness and wasn't scared of too many things. After that night, I almost started to cry when the lights were out, or only half on. He knew that and used it against me, shattering a light bulb in our apartment every two days or so. We were pretty poor, so we wouldn't always get a new one immediately, and since I was awake at night, I had to deal with it. He was active during the day as well, but when the clock hit 2 to 4 a.m., it was the worst. That's when they're most active. One time I walked into the kitchen... And before I could turn the lights on, I stood on something weird. When I did turn the lights on, I found the floor crawling with maggots. Every inch was covered with them. I was shocked, grossed out, and panicked. I tried to shovel them up and put them into the trash, basically crying through the whole thing. Somehow, they disappeared into the walls after just a few minutes. There weren't any cracks, which added to my confusion. One time I talked to it all day, just speaking to the air, but I was feeling its presence. I hoped that it would let me sleep late at night. I remember saying something like, I gave you attention all day. I would appreciate it if you would let me sleep now. The energy in the room suddenly got very aggressive. I felt something choking me. This lasted for a few minutes. That was the one and only physical attack I experienced. They generally don't want to physically harm us because it would be counterproductive. They will, however, do it if it helps their grand plan to break us. Basically, I was exhausted. I was a wreck because I spent my nights literally fighting off a demon. I knew I needed help and registered in a paranormal forum. There was a guy who ended up helping me twice. He was very talented in magic and able to astral project, things like that. Back then, he strongly weakened the demon, and it actually stopped for a few years. Every now and then, little things would happen, but nothing that made me worry. He still followed me everywhere and had a strong negative impact on my emotions and overall well-being, so much so that he drove me to try and kill myself at the age of 16. There were other reasons that contributed to it, but I strongly believe that he was to blame for the most part. The whole experience was extremely traumatizing, like living in a horror movie. Besides my friends that lived in the house, no one believed me. My dad didn't take me seriously and my brother knew stuff was going on, but he was scared. So he decided to ignore it and leave me alone with it. There were so many things that happened, but I can't possibly write them all down here. This post is already long enough. I saw some apparitions over the years and heard some weird stuff, but overall it left me alone. Not sure if he was waiting for the right time again, or if he was too weak. After my suicide attempt, I went to a clinic and met my future best friend. We started to communicate with the demon via Ouija board, but it didn't say too many useful things. I learned that they just tell you what you want to hear and that you can basically not believe a single word they say. I developed some kind of fucked up mental connection with him. Well, about two years ago, he became active again. I went to bed at night and my boyfriend was already laying there. Put out all of the lights and I closed my eyes. I opened them again and noticed there was a light in the living room. As I looked at it, the light turned off again. He waited until I looked. These light plays were what he used to do years ago. And while this might seem harmless, I knew that this was it. It's starting again. I was so scared my body was violently shaking for hours. My boyfriend had to comfort me. I contacted my friend that helped me years ago and spent a couple of months developing a plan to try and trap the demon in some kind of object. My friend ended up going behind my back and doing something far more risky, but it worked, and the demon was gone for good. At least, I think, because the connection seems severed, and I don't feel him anymore. But I'll know in a few years. Since there are so many people dealing with demons, I will add three major signs that this is what you're dealing with. Shadows in the corner of your eyes, or dark apparitions. This includes the famous sleep paralysis figures. Knocking three times. Extreme, tense energy in the room, like the air is going to crush you, a strong feeling of being watched. Other signs that might occur more frequent than usual, very negative thoughts, nightmares, and sleep paralysis. Also, if you deal with mental illness like depression or similar, it's more likely that you are being haunted by a demon or attracted one and got an attachment like I did. If you experience any of the things that I mentioned, do not engage with it. Just ignore it or pretend that you didn't notice it. Try not to be scared. If that doesn't work, let it know that this is your space and that only light beings are allowed to come near you. Stuff like that, basically telling it that it's not allowed near you and that it has no power over you. But stay respectful. It's best not to give it any attention whatsoever because if you're in, you're in. There's no way out unless you get a person like I did, which is very unlikely, and I was very lucky that he contacted and helped me. I will also mention that I did get tested for schizophrenia and psychosis. I had and have none of that, and the psychiatrists were kind and speechless about what I told them. I'm happy to answer any questions if you have any. And I want to help people out if you're dealing with stuff like this. I spent years on learning about demonology and know exactly how they behave and what their goal is. Thanks for listening.
1: I was on a semester abroad in the UK in the spring of 2018. The university had put up most of the foreign students in a newish apartment building just off campus. I had a tiny studio apartment. I could touch both walls at the same time if I stretched. There was a floor-to-ceiling window right at the foot of the bed. This will come back later, just setting the stage right now. I had been on spring break, backpacking in Scotland with my friend. Let's call him Dave. We found ourselves in a small city in the north. While exploring around the town, we kept noticing a strange, wooded hill in the distance, rising out of the middle of a neighborhood. The hill was separate from the mountains farther away, causing it to really stand out. We gradually made our way towards it, winding through the maze of suburban-style streets. We eventually found a wrought iron fence and followed it to a gate. A sign read, Tomnahirik Hill Cemetery. Surrounded by modern-looking houses was this old graveyard that encircled the lone hill. We meandered around, sticking to the paved pathways. Dave was an avid photographer and routinely stopped to take pictures of the headstones that dated back to the 1500s. The dates appeared to get older the closer we got to the hill. Another thing about Dave is that he liked to adventure. If he saw a break in a tree line, he would tromp right on through, looking for trails and paths. It turns out this hill had quite a few of these narrow dirt trails. I had a bit of an uneasy feeling. We were the only living people in the cemetery as it had been raining on and off all day. Dave convinced me to follow one of these trails up the hill. As soon as we crossed the tree line, we discovered the hill was incredibly steep, but wooden stairs had been built intermittently along the way. At the top of the hill, the cemetery layout was very different and strange. Three straight grassy paths, edged by headstones that sat three deep. Dave had stopped to photograph more headstones. Most of the ones up here were unique compared to the more normal ones around the base of the hill. Arches, stone trees, pillars, etc. I was a good 50 feet ahead of Dave as he stopped to inspect his camera. The rain had paused and it was mostly quiet, just the sounds of birds chirping overhead. I paused to glance back at where Dave was, As I looked forward again and took one step, I very clearly heard a woman's voice whisper loudly into my left ear, Liam. My name. Goosebumps ran across my body. It was said as if someone was trying to get my attention but not wanting Dave to hear. I froze for a moment, my ears pricked up, waiting for another voice. I slowly turned to my left, but found no one. Looking behind me again, I saw Dave, still standing way back, looking through the photos on his camera. I managed to keep myself calm as we wandered to the end of the row and made our way back to the middle of the hill. I kept my ear strained the entire time, waiting for another voice, but heard nothing. At the center of the hill was a small dirt parking lot. A dirt road had been cut into the side of the hill, opposite the side we had climbed up. We decided to take the road down. I hadn't mentioned anything to Dave until we were halfway down the hill. I heard a voice up there. Dave just chuckled. He is a massive skeptic. I swear I heard a woman's voice say my name in my left ear. As these words left my mouth, a huge flock of crows took off from the trees above us, cawing very loudly, startling us both. We walked a bit faster after that. Later that night, Dave had asked me to repeat the story while we were sitting at the bar in a pub. After I recounted what I had heard and how it had made me feel, the bartender gave a knowing laugh. You know they call that place a fairy fortress, right? He said in a strong Scottish accent. Dave and I looked at each other. I was obviously more freaked out than he was. Fast forward one week to the day. I hadn't really thought much about the voice after that, getting back into classes and whatnot. I was back in my tiny studio apartment in Lincoln, England. I felt like I had woken up, but I couldn't move. I had only ever heard about sleep paralysis, but had never experienced it before. I knew my eyes were shut, but I could clearly see light coming through the window at the foot of my bed. A shadowy figure materialized in the light. It didn't have any features that I could see. It slowly walked over to the right side of my bed, which should have been impossible, as the bed was literally built against the wall. The figure sat down at the edge of the bed, and I definitely felt the bed shift under its weight. In my memory, it had a head like a Dementor from the Harry Potter movies. Eyeless, noseless, earless, just a round hole in place of a mouth. Up to this point, I hadn't felt freaked out or anything, more curious Thinking back, I realized that this is not the reaction any normal person should have. I suddenly realized the orientation of my body. I was weirdly twisted. My legs were splayed out in such a way that my left foot was on the right side of the bed and vice versa, but my upper body was facing upwards towards the ceiling. My hands were folded over my left hip. I couldn't or wouldn't move. I say I wouldn't because I felt I was rationalizing my paralysis as not wanting to startle this shadow figure in case it might hurt me. Again, I didn't feel freaked out, but I somehow knew this thing could potentially harm me. I digress. The figure was sitting at the edge of my bed that should have been a wall. It was facing me, looking at me, even with its lack of eyes. Very slowly, it placed one of its hands on top of my folded hands and leaned in, slowly, slowly, to my left ear. It was cheek to cheek with me. The panic burst through. Thoughts flashed through my mind. This isn't normal. This shouldn't be happening. This is not natural. I began to hyperventilate through my clenched teeth, making a kind of hissing sound over and over. The shadow figure jumped like I had startled it, and it quickly got off of me and backed away from my bed, fading into darkness. As soon as it was out of sight, my eyes shot open and I discovered my face was less than an inch from the wall. I was still in the strange, twisted position. It was around three in the morning, and needless to say, I did not sleep for the rest of the night. I'm not sure if this is related, but it is my only other experience with sleep paralysis. I was back home in the U.S. It was exactly one month to the day after my first sleep paralysis episode. I woke up to a dark room and quickly became aware of a figure standing over me, darker than the darkness of the room. I immediately started panicking, but was unable to move this figure just stood completely still and looked like a person completely covered by a black bedsheet. Suddenly, the lamp clipped to my headboard clicked on, and the figure instantly vanished with the light. I realized I was the one who turned on the lamp, but definitely didn't feel my arm raise over my head to do it. I've had a few paranormal experiences while growing up, but have grown more skeptical as I get older. I consider myself a skeptical believer. These three experiences happened in such a short amount of time that I can't help but connect them. I can't explain why, but I feel that the second figure was a sign that I got away from something I can't really comprehend. Strangely though, I do wish I could return to that cemetery and see if I have any more experiences.
0: When I was five, we lived on a farm in rural Minnesota. We unexpectedly lost our dad in a farming accident in April 1981. Sorry to open with the bummer. The following summer, my mom decided that it would be a good idea for me, my brother, and my grandmother Charlotte to take a vacation to Brainerd, Minnesota, home of Paul Bunyan and Babe the Big Blue Ox. I was excited because I had checked out a book at the library that came with a puppet which I took with me, on the car ride to keep me entertained. We set out for a long weekend to visit, I shit you not, Paul Bunyan land. After what I'm sure was the longest weekend I've ever had, we pack up and we get ready to leave. But now I can't find this damn puppet. I had checked it out from the library, and I had been told specifically not to lose it. What does a five-year-old child do when they're told not to do something? They do it anyway. Children are stupid. Anyway, we all tear up the cabin that we had been staying in, but we could not find this fucking puppet anywhere. I'm crushed. During the long, quiet drive home, I'm totally shitting myself because I know the next day I'm going to have to go and tell that sweet librarian that I lost the puppet. So here comes the weird part. We pull up into our three-car garage. I immediately get out of the car, shut the door, and turn around, only to see that damn puppet sitting on top of one of the 50-gallon drums that separated the stalls of the garage. I stood there in shock, and when everyone came around to see what I was looking at, we all just stood there staring at it. Of course, my mom accused me of playing a prank and being the one to put it there. I told her I didn't. I guess she believed me. Plus, what five-year-old can pull off that
1: kind of prank? So what is up with objects disappearing and reappearing? Like, I'm not talking about just losing something, but when there's no sense, something that has just vanished in thin air and it reappears in the most obvious spots where you know that's not where you lost it.
0: Yeah, this isn't, uh, this isn't like a rare thing that happens. This happens to everybody. I've done some reading on this and it, it has a name. It's called Disappearing Object Phenomenon. A lot of people try to attribute it to just absent-mindedness, which, sure, that could be the case in a lot of situations. I would say most of them, if we're being honest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But there are those moments where you're like, I looked there. Like, yes. There's no way. I looked there and my keys were not there, and now they're there.
1: And you're home Yeah, and now knows. they're hanging up right next to the door, the first place I look, and I re-looked there eight times, you know what I mean? Exactly. Now, I have a theory about it. This is my own theory,
0: based on my own experience. Hear me out. Guardian angels from other realms.
1: <gasps>
0: Aw, that's precious. So, I've had moments, multiple moments, and I might have talked about one of these in the past, where I cannot and it's always my keys or my wallet I cannot find my keys or my wallet and I'm running late for something and I'm in a hurry they're gone and then all of a sudden they they're right where I looked before and I'm like what the hell happened did they just fall into a like a time warp and then come back did they take a trip through through space and I'll grab the keys I'll jump back in the car head out and there's an accident right down the road I just missed an accident Mm. my theory is we have these guardian angels from these other realms that are like looking out for us so they swipe our keys swipe our wallet or do something to to hold us up delay us a bit to delay us a bit to to save us from something Mm mm-hmm it's just a theory I have nothing to base it on except for the fact that there's been multiple occasions specifically with car wrecks with me where I was late because I couldn't find something when I finally found it in the most obvious place I got lucky right on my route that would have been me
1: so this isn't a disappearing object but it kind of reminds me of a story I heard of a guy who was running late for work he worked in New York City in the Twin Towers and his babysitter was running late. And sure enough, that actually ended up saving his life. That's exactly it. I think that
0: uh, these things happen for a reason. You have to trust your gut Mm -hmm. uh, with certain things. Uh, You have to trust the spirits. You have to trust the guardian angels, that whole thing. Like There's this ecological system of energy that flows through everything. And once you're in tune with it, and I'm kind of getting way out there, but... I feel like you, you obtain these guardian angels that, and that's just a term I'm using for it, that protect you, that help you out and your things like your gut feeling specifically get stronger and you get more in tune with that, that realm with different realms, with different energies. And I think that it's, I think that the disappearing object phenomenon is a good thing. I think that it is something that happens to people that are sensitive. It's a blessing in disguise, that's for sure. Yeah, that's just my theory. Also, again, trust your gut. I've I've been been in the process of moving. We got a house and we're having some work done. I went ahead and hired a handyman that I found online. And immediately after the phone call when he called me, my gut told me don't hire this guy. But I was in such a hurry to get a doggy door put in and just get it out of the way because I wanted to get all the construction done before we moved everything in I was in such a hurry I was like I'm going to give him a chance guy comes over my gut tells me no no tell him to leave tell him to leave but I didn't want to be mean I let him do it he ended up taking 10 hours to put in a pet door in the wall not only that he cut through a, a lead in beam that was, was uh, like shearing support for the corner of my house and didn't tell me about it but then, until after he had done it and then at the end of the job, the doggy door didn't even work. It wouldn't even open because the frame that he built inside of the ha- the, the wall was too narrow. So the door wouldn't even open. He was just going to leave. He was just like, all right, sorry, I'll come back tomorrow. And I told him, don't come back. No, I don't want you coming <laughs> back to my house. I'm going to get somebody else to fix this. And he just left. And I paid him just to keep him away from my house because I did not want to have to deal with this guy's ever again. But my gut the whole entire time was telling me not to do this. Do not trust this guy. And I didn't always, listen. And that was like the always. first time. That was one of the first times I haven't listened to my gut in a long time. And I'm blaming on uh,
1: Mercury being in retrograde right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, always trust your gut. Yeah. Like, I know, I know you're not too keen on the Myers-Briggs thing. I'm not. But the intuition versus sensing, sensing being what's in front of you and tangible facts mm-hmm. and Referring back to your previous experiences versus your intuition, which I would just consider your sixth sense, relying on your own gut. Yeah. Um, We're both intuitive people, and I think that explains a lot. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm not completely dismissing Myers-Briggs. I just don't like it because I feel like it... Puts you in a box. Exactly. Yeah, you. To quote me, puts yeah, you puts you know. in a box. Fuck yeah, we found the card.
1: You know, you know. I love it. Well, if anybody's curious, I'm INFP. Do you remember You are. You were ENFJ, but I think now you're INFJ. You got a little more introverted over the years. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to do it again. There's no. Yeah. I have no idea what I am now. Fun stuff. Well, we were going to talk about my cool little story with the racist cousin but i think that might sum it up or do you want to touch on it no i do want to touch on it
0: so yeah tell me more about that that i, I should i
1: am i allowed to say it what it reminds me of uh no that'd be free promotion for these horrible groups but yeah. i wanted to know more so i've been emailing back and forth with the author and i wanted to know what sort of group his cousin was involved with but he didn't have a name or anything like that However, I did some digging and I found the actual sharp object that he saw. Oh, okay. It turns out that the Z-shaped hook is, and I'm going to mess up the pronunciation here, <laughs> but it's spelled Wolf's Angel, probably pronounced Wolfsangel, German. Yeah. But what it is, it's an object used in wolf hunting where a piece of meat would be attached to it while the hook hung from a tree. Then poor, unsuspecting wolves would jump up and swallow it, and I'm sure you have some beautiful imagery in your head right now. So it's like wolf fishing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wow, okay. Without the water, yeah. Wolves are one of my favorite animals, top five for sure. beautiful, and that reminds me, I have fond memories of reading
0: that book, Lestat the Vampire, and there's like wolf hunting in the beginning of that book, and it's so well written, and uh, that really, like, that book when I was young made me fall in love with wolves. Mm -hmm. they're beautiful love them
1: yeah anyway the symbol has been used by nazis and other modern racist groups which i think explains quite a lot that's what i was thinking yeah yeah and it's pretty telling that the author has never seen the object before Mm -hmm. but if you look it up you're, you're gonna you can see it for yourself it's on patches and flags and all this other bullshit that they do but yeah wild stuff yeah, and uh, just to end things here with that last story uh, puppets are creepy.
0: I've never enjoyed a puppet, yeah, except for Muppets. Muppets are different. Muppets are more like Muppets are Jim Henson's creations that have a life of their own, but like puppets, like puppet shows, sock puppets. Uh, that kind of stuff creeps me out it's like on the level of clowns for me With the unt- I was about to say don't you dare insult clowns but whatever I guess we're going there again yeah puppets go in the same classification as clowns for me wow yeah. anyway thanks everybody for listening this week you have heard phone call from the grave by KD my cousin Casey by Cameron haunted by a demon for 15 years by raised by spirits I believe I was followed by a fairy by Liam and finally teleporting puppet By Sean. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, make sure you send it to stories at oddtrails.com. And if you want to get access to the ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails. And don't forget, finally, check out all of my other podcasts at crypticcountypodcast.com like Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, and the old-time radio cast. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out.
1: Don't let the ghosts and the ghouls destroy.